On this episode of Year One, we chat to co-founders Yan and Muhammad from Catch Media Group, a digital agency that promotes brand development through storytelling and relationship building. Yan and Muhammad are wise beyond their years and provide great insights into their journey, the aha moment, playing to each other's strengths, winning their first client, and differentiation. And if that was not enough, Muhammad will even give you some dodgy advice. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Year One, hosted by me, Dio Klopis, and my good friend, Satish Bala. On Year One, we speak to early stage founders, business owners, and entrepreneurs about the highs and lows of the early years, the challenges and rewards, and everything else in between. So without any further ado, let's get into this week's conversation. Really excited to have two amazing entrepreneurs on the show today. Based out of Toronto, an amazing startup, Catch Media, is a creative and digital agency. They believe in advancing the status quo by humanizing companies and organizations. Catch Media believes in empowering brands through storytelling and relationship building. All of the right buzzwords on their website. We want to break that down to see how do they live this. And more importantly, the two guys that have started this, Yan and Muhammad, we want to get to know not only how they came up with this idea, how do they find each other, and a lot about their journey in the first year. And agencies are one of the hardest businesses to start. It is one of the most taxing time on you from a client acquisition, maintaining it, building resources. So anybody who goes down this path certainly is a hero in my books with the work that I've done and the work that Dion and I have done. So we're excited to get diving into this. And for those of you that are listening for the very first time, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button as we get into this thing. So guys, if you're ready, let's dive in. Give me a little thumbs up. Give me a little clap. Give me something to get us going. Yeah, you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. I always add the mic to Yan. Yeah. Super. Well, well, maybe, guys, sorry, before you start, sorry, before you do your introduction, would you mind, I mean, I was having a quick look. So Yan and Muhammad, both of you started in a traditional fashion in that you came out of varsity, you went to formal employment, you know, and you did that for a number of years and then bam, something happened. Something said to you, no, I'm out of this. I don't want to do this. I want to do something differently. I want to go down the entrepreneur route. Yeah, and for you, what was that moment? I think actually it was secretly in me from way before. And I recall having conversations, fights, moments of crying and yelling when I was younger, when I was in my early teens, yelling to my parents. And I don't know how I understood this conceptually when I was young, but I remember yelling that the difference between making 200K being a full-time employee software developer, as my parents had dreams for me, difference between making 200K full-time and 45K, 40K full-time makes no difference to me. Your house is a little bigger, your car is a little better, your vacation is a little better. So to me, like I saw that as the same kind of, you know, the same journey, the same path. And I saw just, I felt always different. I felt like a rebel. I felt like I needed to do things my go down my own journey that's not defined in a certain box. So I feel like I've always had it with me, though I never knew how to actualize it. And the aha moment probably came one day when I was walking university. It was gloomy, it was dark, I had really bad sleep. I hated university, ate the Z, engineering was really hard. And I remember walking down the street and I saw a guy wearing like a blue suit, like he was probably a construction contractor, one of those things, walking in perpendicular to me across the street looking very sad and very depressed, hair all over the place, not looking good and clean. And at that moment, for some reason, 
I looked at him and something like struck me. I connected to him and I was like, I never want to feel like what that guy's feeling right then and there as he's walking to work. And somehow, some way it just changed my mindset of like, I need to do whatever it takes to not feel, look and behave like that. Wow. I had no idea. What a life moment, man. <laughs> what a life moment. Mohammed, it, 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 over to you. I want to hear your story too. So it's, it's a bit different than Yan's because my aha moment was actually meeting Yan. So as you said, right after varsity, I was looking for employment and he hired me as an intern at his first startup. And he was like one of those leaders that like anything that you need, I got you. I, I will give you all the resources. I'll facilitate everything and just perform. That's all you have to do. And as I saw, like the way he was running the entire startup, you perform, you get rewarded, you perform, you get rewarded. And it became the system where I was excelling really quickly because I was performing and I was putting in time, effort, and him and I were always on the same page. So when we ended that startup, I said, wherever you go, I'm coming. I don't care if we're starting a marketing agency or if we're starting a shipping company. Like, like Jan was, I guess, the North Star for me because he really inspired me as a leader. And like working with him is honestly like the biggest advantage I've had in this field and in this, in the career path I chose because just follow Jan, honestly. <laughs> like, so, I mean, there's two things that's amazing. I mean, there's two things there. The one is essentially Jan yeah. is a leader. He's not a manager. He went in there and he gave you all the tools that you needed in order for you to grow. And that's that inspiration that you took away to follow him. And I think that's absolutely amazing. And I think the second thing is, Jan, I want to follow you, mate. What have you got lined up for no, us? We're going down the like, top. Well, the crazy thing this... is now, wait, yeah, just to quickly interject, but the crazy thing is now, like Jan has all these crazy ideas and projects and he comes to me for the resources and the facilities to help facilitate that. So it was, it was pretty cool. You know, and tell me before, sorry, Satish, do either of you regret the path that you've gone 100%, down? 100% no way. I am grateful and I'm always like, I'm very happy on this path. You, awesome. still For me, I think I'm obviously, <laughs> I, I have to be like honest and rational about the answer. Like I'm very happy about where I am today, but if I could have gone back and made different decisions, I would have, but hindsight is always 2020 and I'm happy about where I am today. Absolutely. Though. Yeah, I mean, I guess hindsight 2020. That's why I also love to talk and inspire and lead and teach because I want to pass on maybe to those that are a few years younger than me or maybe are in the same place that I was at however many years ago and give them the knowledge and the push that maybe I wish I had back then. You know what I'd love is both of you were Amazing. inspired by somebody else. And one on what you don't want to become and Mohammed on, you know, who you want to, who you want to be with and, you know, sort of go all in and listen, you know, it. Choosing the right path is hard enough, but in your case, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the business because, you know, Catch Media from the outside competes with a much larger pool of agents. It's one of the easiest businesses to start. It is also one of the highest failing business models with the way the model is set up. So talk to us a little bit about Catch Media. What was the inspiration behind, you know, the business and where do you try to stand out from competition? Yeah. So I think actually how. The business model and the business started is very different than where it is at today. How it started, what inspired us to even go down this route is when we were at our previous startup, which was a two-sided marketplace, we worked with a couple marketing agencies. We shopped around some of the best in Toronto. That's where we're at, Toronto, Canada. And 
we felt like a lot of them that were really good on paper or were charging a lot of money or had a lot of clients and I've seen them, I've been to their offices, I've seen their employees, I've seen their online presence. I didn't feel like they were any smarter than us or any harder working than us. And I felt like a lot of the work that they do is not 100% honest, genuine, and in the client's best interest. I felt like they were just doing whatever, you know, drives their balance sheet to be more favorable. A lot of them were selling services that were highly overinflated in price and were not delivering on those promises. And I felt coming, me coming from computer engineering, which is very, you know, problem solution based, very logical, rational, like what's your critical path to solution? Does it work? And does it not work very black and white? I felt like I could bring, I could kind of merge that perspective of does it work? Does it not work? Is the bottom one there? Is it not? With my more informal background and, you know, my love for languages and communication and leadership and psychology and merge those two and compete with other marketing agencies out there and deliver a solution that is more true to what marketing should be and what it actually is. If you think about the theory and philosophy of what marketing is before looking at what other agencies do, that was what it was for me. That's an interesting point. So, sorry, Mohammed, but that's a very interesting point. I mean, we'll probably get into it a little bit later, but the things that differentiate you is not something that you can actually bottle up. You know, what you said is you wanted to do it differently to other agencies. And I mean, a lot of people go out and say, I do it differently. You know, how do you actually go out there and package that, that people buy into that and say, you know what? Yep. I want to join. I want to go down that path with you. Yeah. It's a, a great question because something that I've postulated upon myself a lot with my colleagues, with some of our team members, because there are going to be, and there were projects for us and clients that in theory, the fit was there, but we ended up going our own separate ways or not working because the them and us saw things differently and that's okay. But what I learned through time is stick to the way that I think works. And as long as it works for one, two, three, four, five projects and clients, and it genuinely works, there is revenue, there are followers, there's value that businesses are built upon. As long as I've tested that model for myself, just only look in that direction, find the friends, partners, businesses that want to go down that route. I've had certain clients, I'll give a specific example. I have certain clients that saw social media differently than my social media manager and, and myself. To them, we were showing that our work is yielding X, Y, Z results. And we were like, look, here are the hard numbers, truths, but they were interested in ABC results and something that looks and feels and acts completely different. And we had to ask ourselves the question in that moment, do we want to be the company that does what they want? Or do we want to do what we are set out to do and stick by it? And if they're not interested, if they want something else, no problem here as an agency down the road, they can do that for you. We're sticking down that path. So we decided to stick by what we, by what we think is the truth. And if it works for anybody out there, for our clients, for other companies, then we're going to really own it on that. Listen, that's anybody starting out new, and I'm going to say this color, but I want to, I want to jump into another angle of starting a business right after this. But, you know, some of the greatest successes in my life happened because I wanted to do it and not trying to please other people with what services they wanted to buy. And I think that's a really important point because so many people get into business where they fail the first year is they're not building a business for themselves. They're building a business that, that they think the market wants and they want to please everybody and trying to be another me too, and it doesn't work. And they look back and go, man, like, 
I wasn't in the business. It was an idea that didn't connect to like my belief system. But the question I want to ask both of you is being young guys, you know, I'm in my forties, man. So, you know, talking about being a rebel was baked into my DNA from a very young age. But with you guys, you know, up to the point in university, you got the blueprint that every immigrant parent wants. Go to school, get a nice degree. And then you decided to go do your own thing. How much of a sell was it at home to have the freedom to pursue? For me personally, it was fairly easy because my, my oldest sister, she went into medicine. So she sort of ticked the box for us. And then, so it, it was taken care of for us. And then <laughs> yeah, basically, honestly, honestly, we don't care what happens to Bahamut. We go like so that was taken care of. And then my parents asked me, it's like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And going into university, it was like, I want to do investment banking. And that was something that was, that I was really drawn to. And when Jan decided to let's open a marketing agency, one thing that he sort of glanced over was the ecosystem that we're located in. Like we're essentially the marketing wing of a securities company. So that allowed a lot more growth for both us, our clients, our agency. And a lot of our clients end up becoming our partners. So for example, Satish's company, Schoolio, there are more than just a client at this point. They're part of the family. They're our partner. So that's one thing that really, I guess, gave us an advantage when we started this agency, the ecosystem that we decided to partner with. Yeah, Mohammed, I mean, I'm just conscious that, I mean, the people that are going to listen to this podcast are going to be wannabe entrepreneurs or people going through their first year and things like that, just starting out. So, I mean... I would love to know some of the major challenges that you actually encountered in terms of setting up your own business that year one, the trials, the tribulations, that for me would be quite fascinating. And the, some of the creative ways you actually went about to resolve some of these things. Yeah, I can tell you one right off the bat. Is there anything that stands out to you as one of the biggest challenges? Yeah, one off the bat is yes. how do I prove to a client and actually, I talk about this as well with other individuals who aspire to be entrepreneurs, my friends, just kind of people that ask me, hey, like, I want to start this thing, but how do I get my first clients? And that was an issue. Like, we knew, we believed that we could provide a solution to clients. We just didn't exactly have a way to prove to the client that they should give us their money. They should trust us with the project. That was a tough, that was a really tough part. And it's a tough part, I think, for every business. How do you prove to your first 5, 10, 15, 20 clients that they should trust you. And I have, you know, there, there are a few things and lessons that we've learned. I think in the beginning, we definitely had to put on a lot more showmanship and put a lot more effort into the sale. We had to, I don't want to call it sacrifice, maybe more so invest more of our time and resources to prove to a prospective client, draw up a plan, draw up a strategy start providing free services, free consultation, like start doing the things that you're promising you're going to do for free and show them that you can do it and that you are going to do it. Put an initiative, extra work, extra hours, go and research them, their competitors, their strategy, already put together some example work before they even asked for it. You know, I've come to a client meeting. We actually did that in a proposal. We wrote a proposal to a specific client and in our proposed ideas and services that we wanted to do, we already provided deliverables. We wanted to do social media posts and we wanted to define your tribe. Here are the four things we're going to test. And here are images that we already made for you that looked really good. So that kind of 
shows to the client that you're eager, you're ambitious, and you've actually done the work to show like, here's exactly what we're going to deliver to you. That's one aspect. And the second aspect was obviously, again, touching upon the same thing is how do you prove to somebody that they should trust you? Uh, developing more creative compensation models. So don't pay us everything up front. Uh, pay us based on success model. Give us a revenue share model. The first one, two or three months pay us very little. And let's make a contract that if the first one or two months we do really well, on month five or six, you're going to pay us higher or market rate or to compensate for months two and one. Most entrepreneurs are financially dumb when it comes to learning to run a business. We're very prudent. Before we start the business, we save up forever to have enough run rate. And we get into the business, we make silly mistakes that cost us a lot of money. I, for example, in my first year, as soon as we started making money, started doing the Thursday beers for the team and, and I, lost, I lost control over the photocopier and paper and ink supply killed us. Give us a little bit about financial intelligence in the first year for folks that just want a simple formula of pluses and minuses so they don't make the obvious silly mistakes. So just to touch back on your silly mistakes, I remember I was having a very informal conversation with you and you were telling me about, I think it was when we were doing the projections for school, you were telling me about coffee and that you were buying coffee for these guys, but they were still going out to buy coffee. It's like, why am I spending 300 bucks for these guys? If I can just buy them like a $10 gift card every single month, simple things <laughs> like that, like the pennies do add up at the end of the day. So. I guess don't spoil your team. Just focus on what you need. You don't need a fancy office. You don't need a secretary or EA or anything like that. Just focus, especially in the very early years, focus on building a very steady cash flow. That's the very most, like, that's the most important thing in business. If you have ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 coming into the business every single month, try spending at the very most 66% of it and putting the 33% back into the business or leaving it there for a rainy day. And I think that's what determines your burn rate or your viability. Like for Schoolio, for example, you guys established your publishing business and then started taking bigger swings when you guys had that money, additional money. That's what we try to instill in all the startups that we work with. That's what we instill here too. We save 66%, sorry, we save 33% and we try to keep our operations with the 66% that we bring in on monthly cash flow. And a lot of times, like we don't even spend the full 66% because 50% probably makes up salaries. And then you have 16% left. If you guys want, if we want to do a team lunch, we can do a team lunch, but I try to limit the amount of luxuries that we give. No, that's a good point. If I can just say, sorry, if I can just stay on the finance side of things for a minute. So, I mean, as an entrepreneur, when you start out, you usually are resource strapped as well, not only cash strapped. So essentially what you find is that you take on a lot of tasks that you maybe shouldn't be doing because you just don't have the, you don't have the resources. What are your thoughts then in terms of actually saying, you know what, is it worthwhile spending the money to outsource some of the activities so that you can free yourself up? Or is it better in the beginning that you do take a lot more of a conservative approach and you try and do as much so as possible? So we faced the same problem when we started like what, a year and a half ago where we were doing everything. And we started using outsource workers or hiring people. But what ended up happening was when you like, especially in the early years or the early periods of the business, you're not as well, one resources, outsource resources cost money and you won't have that much money coming in. So when you pay for outside resources, you're paying for quality. And when you're paying for cheap quantity, you're going to get cheap product and you're eventually just going to have to redo everything. 
And we kept falling into the cycle where we'll hire somebody or we'll get an outsourced work, outsourced worker and uh, the quality isn't good enough. So either Jan or myself would have to redo all the work. So I would suggest sticking with it. And if you're confident in your ability, which most entrepreneurs are, like if you're in the business, then there's a reason why you're in that business. You're confident that you can do what you're setting out to do. So stick to, stick to a point where you can afford good talent or don't bother wasting money on bad talent because it's going to just be a waste of money at the end of the day. Good advice, man. But you I know, like let's that. get a little deeper guys. I like the business challenges, but like, what is it like being partners? What are some of the big, <laughs> you know, challenges between the two of you? Cause it's like getting married, you know, and you, you gotta be able to fight and still hug it out and, you know, go to the next day. So what are some of those kind of challenges that you've had to face? So How this coffee budget is removed. <laughs> so you're right. It's just like a relationship or a friendship. And I think as long as, and we've seen both of us different relationships between different partners and different startups, whether it's in our individual past, whether it's in our collective past. And in this particular case between Mohammed and I, because I personally feel like some of our most important core values when it comes to running a business are very similar. Like for example, Mohammed and I are both confrontational with facts and truths. If one of us did something that is bad, we have no shame in walking over to the other guy's office and saying, what is this? Why did you do that? Explain, what are you going to do to fix it? And we jive. Like there are other people out there that don't like that kind of conversation. Why are you so rude? Why are you so mean? Why are you saying that? We both know that our ultimate goal is to make the business, the cause, the drive, the mission better. And we love to engage in, in discourse and really healthy, productive discourse that always gets us to the next level. We also operate based on mutual trust and honesty. We know that the other partner, and that is only, you know, that's only built through time. Like you see that if the other person says they're going to do something, they do it. If they're going to do something, they do it well. And as, you know, it's just like dating. You got to date for a little bit. You got to work together for a little bit before you decide to move in and get married. So that's at least how I've felt in the last, I guess, two and a half years that we've been working together, two years or so. So, I mean, your, so your relationship has it evolved over this period? In terms of, if you look at where you started out a year and a half ago, up until now. Yeah, for, totally. I mean, it started off as theoretically on paper, I was his manager when we started off and he was an intern, uh, and it has evolved to really understanding each other's uh, strengths and weaknesses. And we know in which situation it's better for Muhammad to deal with this, with the situation and which situation is better for me to deal with the situation. If it's a matter of calling somebody and demanding something or, you know, collecting something or laying out some numbers and harsh facts and truths, it's Muhammad. If it's about sending someone into a room to maybe inspire, motivate, uplift, and have some friendly chat to get them on our side, it's a big conversation. And we know at which point who's strong, where, and we come in and out when necessary. If you look at it then in terms of the business itself, so that your relationship has grown and you've almost reached the point now where you play to each other's strengths and weaknesses. But I mean, if we look at it from a business perspective as well, as the business evolved and matured and things like that, have you seen a marked improvement over the year and a half as well? Absolutely. And I think it has a lot to do with one of the initial points I've made of we've really honed into who we are, what we do and what we want to do. In the first year, in the first half a year, I think it's you're finding your product market fit. You're finding your talents, your truths, 
you have to navigate through the darkness of which paths are you able to take, which ones do you want to take? Some you actually embark on and you see that you don't want to do that at all, especially as a full service marketing agency. We've seen some services that we don't enjoy doing, which are more profitable, less profitable. We have talent for, we don't. And now we're a year and a half down the line, we are so holed into what type of project we look for. What kind of skills can we accommodate? What should we just outsource? What should we say absolutely no to? So we have that kind of, you know, it's like learning to dance. In the beginning, you're like awkward about the steps. And then, you know, a year, two years, five years later, you know, I can perform this routine or this other routine I haven't done, or I know how to do salsa. If I, if you ask me to do hip hop, I'm probably gonna have a little bit of challenges. I'm gonna say one quick thing, because one of the things I love about entrepreneurship is, you know, along with the business growth, it's the individual growth that is, is often, you know, not as relevant until much later in life. And they're like, oh, it's my memoir. Let me rethink my chapter. But I think sort of looking at your individual personal growth too, what are some of the things that you noticed that you changed from where you were before a year and a half ago to now, independent of the business, just, in, you know, your personal growth. Muhammad, go ahead first. Sorry, I just wanted to add one thing to that previous question Dion asked. It was, I, I was about to say it, but then I got cut off. But when we started this business, we had a very honest conversation about where we want to be in five to 10 years. And every decision we made from that point on is in, in, in that direction and hoping we can achieve that. So the evolution of the business essentially is getting closer to that one goal. So whenever we have a disagreement or whenever we have a turbulent point, we always just go back to that and it's how is, how will we move forward and how will that action allow us to reach that goal that we established when we started the business? Talking about personal development, it's hard to say because we're not exactly tracking it. Like me personally, if I was to look back a year ago, I wouldn't say much has changed because I'm very set in my ways. Like since I was a kid, I've always been like this, like it's so hard to explain it, but like me personally, I'm a very resilient person and I'm someone that believes in commitment to the very end. So if I say I'm going to do this one thing, I will either die or do that one thing. So it's always been like that. So it's hard to say personal development or any form of evolution. I know Jan will have some profound answers to that, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like I've changed tremendously uh, and maybe that's a great relationship between Muhammad and I, between like, who is the more turbulent exploratory and who is the more like conservative foundational rock. But for me, one thing that I've definitely been working on is emotional control, emotional turbulence and stability, making sure that every day, every week, every month doesn't only look and act and feel similar in terms of productivity and outputs, but also when somebody writes an email that I don't like. When somebody says something that I don't like, when someone delivers a piece of work that is not up to par and not, not up to standard, mitigating the time of emotional response. And this is so important for entrepreneurs, especially in year one, especially if you're just starting. You are, I can promise you that you're going to have good times. I can promise you that you're going to have bad times. I can promise you that things are going to go poorly in your family, in your relationship, in the outside world. The stock market is going to crash. Your elderly family will pass away and you're going to have bad projects. You're going to have bad things happen to you. And this is the thing I think that I've been working on a lot because I've identified that if I may have a really good vision and a good skill set and, and a good goal, but if I let the day-to-day -day 
ups and downs drag me down too much and I stay in the down for too long, not only do I waste time, but like everything with it is bad. My relationships go bad. I'm going to answer angrily to clients. I'm not going to be opportunistic when it comes to a certain scenario of how can I flip a bad into a good. This is a really big thing that I've been working. And yeah, with that ties everything else, like how often have you written out an email or a text in the response when you're angry and then you don't send it and the next day you open it and you're like, ah, I'm not going to send that. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Looking forward <laughs> to reconnect. I'm sorry we didn't work out. If there was anything I could do, let me know. And you close off the book in a good note. I want to circle back. I mean, that's brilliant, John. And I actually want to circle back to something that Muhammad said a little while ago. You said, Muhammad, that you and Jan sat down and said, what is our plan for the next five years? You had an open, frank conversation, right? And you guys have got a good relationship. You have a relationship of respect, of trust, and you've got each other to hold each other accountable. And Jan, during those times when you are going through the emotional turmoil, you've got someone that you can actually go to and you can bounce it off or you can vent at. What advice would you give though to those people who don't have that? They're on their own. They're running their business as a single or a sole entrepreneur. You know, they don't really have that same luxury or that, that opportunity to talk to their co-founder. I think this is something that perhaps transcends business alone, but in business itself, it's as useful. Developing two things, actually. First of all, is it going to sound cliche as heck, but developing that practice of self-reflection, meditation, journaling, it's essentially a conversation with yourself in a perhaps more calm or rational state, or the ability to have a conversation with yourself from two perspectives. One, for example, being me right now, how do I think, how am I? And then a conversation with the ideal self that I want to become. I, you can have that conversation and ask yourself a question. Actually, Jordan Peterson has a big section in his book where he talked about that specific sect in Christianity, that their whole kind of modus operandi is every decision they have to make in their life, they ask, what would Christ do? And I'm not a Christian and I'm not religious, but that analogy is so brilliant because in, in, the, in their book, they see Christ as the most phenomenal, perfect, idol human being. And to me... I can either create that idol, which is my future self or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. I can imagine if I sit at home, I calm down, I meditate. If I'm sitting in front of Steve Jobs and I was to ask him a question or in front of my future self, how would you deal in this situation? If you were here and you're the most successful, intelligent, wise entrepreneur, how would you react? What would you say? What email would you write? What would your next steps be? So you can have those convert those kind of conversations with yourself, that's first of all. And second of all, you can have these conversations with the world, with the internet. You have a question, you Google it. You have a certain situation, you YouTube it. Luckily nowadays, you can YouTube pretty much anything and you can talk to Elon Musk as he stands on stage and talks about hard work. And you can talk to many entrepreneurs about their different situations. That's pretty much all the content that I consume. Maybe luckily now today, I am around an environment of very successful entrepreneurs, but a couple of years back, especially when I was in university, I wasn't. But I surrounded myself, my, myself with those people through books and YouTube and Google and Instagram. You can go on your Instagram, you can unfollow all the garbage that you follow and follow a bunch of really cool, smart people. And all the content you'll consume, all the conversations you're going to have will revolve around. Just to add to that, uh, and this is also another cliche thing, but although like Dion, your question was, if you don't have a business partner, what would who would you rely on to, uh, I guess, help with the stress that comes with 
running a business. Ever since I was a kid, I was always told to like have good friends. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Surround yourself with people that you will learn from. And I think that's so important. Like having people around you at all times that are smarter than you or brighter than you, because that's the only way that you will excel. And these people will always, like, you, you can rely on them for anything and everything, especially if they are your friend. So me personally, I've had the same set of friends. Like I've had the same group of friends for like the last 20 years. I'm 23. So that group of friends are like my buddies outside of Yahan. So that, to answer that question, I honestly think you should be surrounding yourself, either it's your employees or your friends outside of work with people that are better than you or people that you resonate with and are true to who they are. Love that. Love that. Guys, I'm just conscious of time. You have given so much advice. You've given some pulls of wisdom over this last half hour or so. How would you close out? What would that one piece of advice be that you give that person sitting there listening and saying, do you know what? I wish I had the balls to go out and do my own thing. Or shit, this year one is difficult. What is that last piece of advice you'd give them? I, I yeah. Let's <laughs> um, with you, Muhammad. It, okay, so work your ass off. That's the only way that you're going to get ahead. Just keep working at it and eventually it'll work out. I always say this to Jan, all, all, like any startup, all you need to do is last two years. If you last two years, you figured it out. So just keep working your ass off and eventually you'll get there. Every moment, Sorry, I, I, um, but every living moment, you should be focused on the business. Mark Cuban, he said when he was doing his first startup, he would give no time to anything else. His girlfriend asked him, like, I want to spend some time with you. And he said, I can replace you. I can't replace the business. So it's that mentality. And I'm not even wow. kidding. That's the only way you will succeed if you really want to make it. He also said that too, but I think he stole it from Mark Cuban. <laughs> but yeah, just keep working at it. I will not get to the next birthday if I said that to my wife. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I would say, you know, life, the universe, everything around you is physics, chemistry, and biology class in real life. And even though each of us is walking around with this whole beautiful game-like experience that we call our life that we see in front of our eyes. You don't know anything 100%. Nobody knows what the future will lay, like, will lay like. Nobody knows if their emotions and their feelings are objectively true. Nobody knows if your dream to become a doctor and entrepreneur is objectively, quote-unquote, the best or the most correct. Everything in life is an experiment. Everything in life is like a chemistry lab. And if you want to start a business, don't put, a, don't put so much symbolic emphasis and some destiny meant to be, is this the thing for me? Treat it more like a science lab, like an experiment. Let me try this out. Let's see if it works. Am I going to get good results? Am I going to get bad results? Let's compare. How do I feel? How do I look? How do I act? How do I behave? Do I spend more time being happy or more time being sad? And to me, I think if, if you take a look, if you approach everything from that perspective, it becomes much more separated from your emotions and from feelings and from this grandiose, like symbolic, what is life? Am I meant to be an entrepreneur? You want to start a business? Try it out. Besides experiment, pull up your lab worksheet, experiment number one. And you're going to have so many of those throughout your life. Different startups, different businesses, different partners. It's all one big fun physics experiment. You never know what's going to happen. Just, you know, just take it easy. Just live through it. Go day by day. Have fun. That's, that's what I would tell myself.
It's been delightful. And I didn't know how young you guys were until today. So all my amazing inspired moments with you guys is now 10X. Just knowing <laughs> how much more time you have to do even more great things. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. And I do have one last question. I just thought of it only because of, you know, how young you are and how mature you are and you're thinking about business. I fundamentally believe, show me your habits and I'll show you how far you can go in life. And I'm curious, what is the one habit every single day that you never miss? I don't care if it's, you know, holidays, weekends, it's something you do every single day that defines you. Muhammad, go first. No, Muhammad is logging into our QuickBooks. Good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry. For me, ever since I was like, what, six years old. So I come from a Muslim family, a very religious Muslim family. So we would wake up for morning prayer and that's like four. It depends on the season, but it's between four and 7 a.m. I've been doing that my entire life. And I think doing that in the morning is like a form of meditation. And it really helps me ground myself and set my goals for the day. And then from there, I just take off. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's just, it's this one habit that I don't know. It's as much good as it is sometimes bad. I like to very often, maybe if it's not every day, but literally take a blank piece of paper, a notebook, or even do it in my mind, reset from zero. Who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? Where am I going? What's my vision, my mission? And what do I have to do today and tomorrow and the next week? And this helps me every day, every week, every month to make sure I'm aligned, I'm going towards the right path. All the noise that's around me, all the things that the 25,000 mental tabs that I have open of different tasks to do, I reground and recenter of like, what's the most important? Who am I? Where am I going? What do I have to do now? Next step, go. That was very cool, man. As we close up, hey, thank you for spending some time with us and sharing some incredible insight. I'm sure there's enough knowledge bombs in here for anybody looking for answers. You've given them some. Hey, you know, as I get older, I always think about the generation that's coming up after us. You know, what world are we leaving behind for them? And more importantly, what world am I growing old into? And I think the two of you are an incredible example of the future is brilliant, great, and I can't wait. So thank you for your time. Year One is hosted by Dion Kloppers and Sathish Bala and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It is engineered by Bluemex. For more Year One content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit Bluemex.io to join us on Discord.